Alrighty, hello, hello, and welcome everybody back for another episode of the Marvel Galaxy Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Evan Cormick. Today I'm in the gracious studio of the Whisper Room in the Hillman Center Library, as always. First, I wanted to address something real quick. I know the upload schedule has been a little bit wonky. That is due to the fact that I've been coming back from COVID and getting caught up with all my classes, as well as I have my second round of midterms this week. So there's been a lot of hecticness going on right now. Uh, But hopefully, after next week, I'm on Thanksgiving break, so after that, I will hopefully be able to get back to regularly uploading on Tuesdays. During Thanksgiving break, I'm going to try and take that time off. I'm not going to record anything. There's not really a lot of Marvel content happening, or Star Wars for that matter. I take that time, spend it with my family, you know, do other things, see friends, kind of just get a week off from everything, um, except for playing games, of course, and, you know, watching, doing fun things by myself. But with that being said, today I wanted to try and bring you guys a little bit of a special episode, if you would, in terms of talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This will be my first kind of big movie movie review for my podcast channel, and I am very excited to bring that to you guys today. So, without further ado, let me kind of break down how this episode is going to go. First, I will give a spoiler-free presentation, or review rather, about kind of the overall story itself and what I think really works for it, things that you guys will already know, and then talk about that briefly, and then I'll kind of break it up into where as the second half of the show will be more or less talking about the spoilers, getting into the nitty-gritty and the details, whereas I won't hesitate to share kind of wider plot points or talk about things specifically that will relate to spoilers. So with that being said, for right now, you are still good to listen, and I will make sure to give a distinct transition over into what is going to be happening whenever I go to my spoiler review of the section. But without further ado, let's hop right in. So first, I just want to give a moment of silence for the movie and for Chadwick Boseman, as he was... The perfect Black Panther. And this movie, that is a recurring theme of the movie, is that, you know, he is the Black Panther or was the Black Panther. And his loss is tremendous. And it was one of those things where throughout the movie, the characters, it, it really felt like they weren't acting. And it, it hurts my heart to kind of say that because in the movie there's a lot of heavy emotion surrounding like you know T'Challa is dead my son is dead my brother is dead my lover is dead and there is just a lot of heavy emotion to where right off the bat it just gets you tied in to T'Challa is dead Chadwick Boseman is no longer the Black Panther like this is sad This is sad. And at the beginning of the movie, they really get you. They really rail you in. And my heart was, it was heavy. If you were, if you cry easily during movies, you will cry multiple times throughout this movie. But it was also one of those things where, yes, it was a main point of the movie. However, it wasn't like it was too much, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't, oh, that's the only thing we're focusing on. No, they had some good tributes in the beginning and towards the end of the movie. And in the middle, they had some really good storytelling. So 
the actors really and actresses really stepped up in this film. And that's, that's one thing I wanted to highlight, or at least the first thing I wanted to highlight, was the fact that the actors and actresses really, really stepped up in the fact that they had to carry what was probably going to be the, the side characters now turned into the just the main characters of the movie. Now, I'm not saying that we I don't know what the direction would have been had Chadwick still been alive. Um, however, they kind of start off the story to where is you get this sense that Shuri and Ramonda and Okoye are going to step up in this film and they're going to really pull a lot of the weight and that's one of the first things that I really noticed was Ramonda who was played by Angela Bassett she did so well throughout this entire movie there are people talking already on review sites that she deserves an Oscar nomination or just to give her the damn thing already because she did phenomenal phenomenal work she was perfect mother she was perfect mourner she was perfect leader of wakanda it was it was just all around absolutely amazing now the story progression has been a massive problem for all of the movies shows anything that we've watched with marvel in phase four and it's really it's been kind of sad because we came from Endgame and everything in Endgame was just perfect storytelling, perfect character progression, perfect this. It was just literal perfection. And in Phase 4, it has been everything but. I'm not saying that I haven't loved Phase 4. I still do. It's Marvel content. I'm going to love what they put out no matter what. But that doesn't mean that it's still not open to critique. And what I mean by that is this movie... I watched it the first time. I've already seen it two times. Yes, two times already. I went on Thursday, the opening night, and then I went again with my friends on uh, this past Sunday. And the first time when I left the theater, I was just overcome with emotion. I couldn't really, you know, get through everything that I wanted to kind of think about the movie. I was just like, that was a beautiful masterpiece. The ending made me cry. It was, it was beautiful. But then I went back the second time on Sunday, and I looked over everything, and the story is just good. Like, this is how a Marvel movie should be. It should it should be exactly what this Black Panther 2 formula is. This is how the sequels should be for any Marvel movie. It doesn't matter that it's just Black Panther. You could apply this formula, and I feel like it was Marvel getting back to that similar formula of we're going to make you fall in love with these characters, and then we're going to break your heart. And it was just, it was wild. It was wild to me how good the story would progress. And I don't know if that was they put extra thought into it, extra time and resources because of the fact that Chadwick is not with us anymore. And they really, really did not want to bomb this movie on top of like it being a tribute. And then, wow, you tributed him by making a terrible, lackluster film. So the story progressed very smoothly. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, it started off with hitting you hard with that loss. They have, you know, they deal with the loss throughout the story, but then the story kind of picks up. We're introduced to these new characters, and in the non-spoiler section of this episode, I will be mentioning the characters just because they were mentioned in the trailers. So if you haven't had any of the trailers and they are spoilers, I'm sorry, but they were in the trailer, so I feel like they are free to speak about. Um, so it goes from that loss, and it transitions into introducing this new character, Namor. 
Now, if, if you don't know who Namor is, in the comics, all that I knew about him was that he was a mutant, and he was basically the Marvel's version of Aquaman, to where as he kind of had, like, water powers, and he could, like, speak to fish and basically manipulate the ocean to his will. In an interview recently with the director of the film, They talked about how, like, what, what is his strength? Because that is kind of sometimes what the fans really care about is what are we looking at in terms of strength, like in terms of power scaling? And what he said was, Namor, we're not holding back when it comes to Namor. He is going to be as powerful as the Hulk. And if he's in water, he is as strong as Thor. Let, me, let, let that sink in for a minute. We are getting introduced to an anti-hero that is as strong as Thor when he is in water. But out of water, he is as strong as the Hulk. That is just absolutely phenomenal. Like, that is power scaling to a T. That's how he should be. He's a mutant. He's one of the first mutants that we've been introduced to that we can see a lot of on screen to where a whole, you know, project is dedicated. Not solely to him, but he is the main antagonist of the film. So we get introduced to him, we get introduced to Riri Williams, who I will save what she becomes for the spoiler portion of that, because when I say Riri Williams, you might be like, oh cool, just another character, but for those of you that know of the comics and kind of know a little bit of backstory, then you know. So that'll be a little bit of a secret of if you know, you know. But she also did great. She is a amazing addition. Like I said, I'll talk more about her in the spoiler portion of the episode, but she did absolutely amazing. The actress that played her came in and just did amazing. And that's what I can say for literally the entire crew of this movie. They came in, understood that assignment, and they just served. Oh, it was so good. So then the it progresses into finding out who this Namor guy is, kind of getting his backstory, seeing where he's from. So that was a really cool aspect of the film. And then it kind of, the plot heats up, and then we're kind of like in no, almost a dull circle of, okay, the Black Panther's missing. We're very sad. What are we going to do about it? We're going to do nothing? Okay, cool. Hey, the Black Panther is missing. He unites Wakanda. What are we going to do with him? Oh, we're not picking anyone? Cool. And we kind of like loop around that. And then towards the climax slash ending of the movie, we finally get all of the answers that we were looking for throughout the entire film. And I really loved the way they did it. And I, I just love, I just love everything about this movie. And I, I will be seeing it next week over Thanksgiving break. I just, I can't wait to see it again. And I've already watched it three times. I haven't done this for a movie since Spider-Man No Way Home to where I've willingly gone and saw it multiple times without anyone having to be like, yeah, let's go see it. Like, I just, I want to see it again because it is that damn good. They just, they did such a good job. But I, I, I think what partially what, what it has to do with is the fact that in phase four, we just have not gotten really good movies at all. Like, the movies have been lackluster. Multiverse of Madness was still pretty good, but it was, it felt too short, too rushed, too choppy. I really didn't love that aspect of it. I gave that like an eight out of 10 whenever I initially saw it. Which is a high rating, yes, but I'm a Marvel fanboy, so I'm quick to dish out the 10 out of 10s. But when I left this movie, I thought it had the potential to be a top five movie in the MCU of all time. 
Now, it might be a little bit of a stretch. It might be more of a top 10 Marvel movie of all time, but it comes in at like 7 or 6 if you make it top 10. If it's top 5, it is just number 5. But I'm serious. Like, if you have not gone out and seen this movie, like, not even just for the premise of this episode, just go out and see it now. It is absolutely amazing what they did with this, what they did with this episode, or episode, what they did with this movie. It was just, it was so good, and it wrapped up Phase 4 perfectly. Yes, this is the last movie that we are getting in Phase 4. I believe there's the Guardians of Galaxy holiday special that we will also be seeing. Um, I believe that comes out next Friday on Black Friday, actually. Um, But that's more of like a short, more of like a, not a skit, but it's like a short. It kind of just sets up the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So you can kind of put it in with Phase 4 if you like, but I don't know how much of an impact it's going to have. Um, So this is the last piece of Phase 4 that we have. And it's kind of incredible to think we're already done with Phase 4. It felt rather short. It felt a little rushed at times. But, I mean, it took them two years for Phase 4. I feel like Phase 4 will always be looked at as the kind of little bump in the road. Because I feel like they're going to really come back swinging for Phase 5 and 6. They have a lot planned. They have a lot better quality of shows and movies because it's all characters. I feel like Phase 4 was really dedicated to basically introducing everyone that we didn't know. Like this is this is the the phase where we can introduce all of our new characters, give you the backstory on them so that when you see them again in Phase 5 and 6, you're not going Wait, who the hell is that? You already know who they are. They're like, oh, that's She-Hulk. Oh, that's Miss Marvel. Oh, that's Moon Knight. When they bring them back, you'll just already know who they are, and you'll be emotionally attached to everyone. Um, the same thing with like the Black Widow movie. Even though it really doesn't belong in Phase Four, you're still like, oh, hey, that's Yelena. She's awesome. Or like, look at that. It's Hot Girl. Like, it's good. It's, it's. I feel like there is a plan. Like I always say, in Kevin Feige, we trust. And I feel like, yes, Phase 4 was lackluster coming off after Endgame. But in the long run, when we get to Phase 5 and Phase 6 with Secret Wars and Avengers Kang Dynasty, it's going to all come together in a beautiful little present given to us by Kevin Feige himself. Now, I will say how Shuri progressed in this movie was beyond my expectations. I knew that she was going to do good, but I believe her name is Letitia Wright or Letitia. Titia Wright. I'm very sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, But the actress that played Shuri did, I cannot describe to you how absolutely amazing she did, considering the fact that she probably wasn't going to get, like, anywhere in the second movie if Chadwick was still alive. Now, I know in the comics, Shuri does become the Black Panther at some point, but that probably wasn't going to happen for at least two more movies, probably. We, we might have gotten to see her become Black Panther in, like, Black Panther 3, or maybe in, like, an Avengers movie of some sort that kind of, like, connected that. But we see this, mov- we see this movie, and Shuri just, the entire time, as becoming the main character, the pressure did not look like it affected her at all. And I mean, I know they're professionals, so it's not supposed to look like, oh, now I'm taking on, I went from being like a very important secondary character to now I'm the, I'm running the show. Then like, they're not supposed to let it affect them, but like, come on, that's a lot. Especially because the the Marvel movies, all their cast and members are so close and everyone was just so heartbroken and upset when Chadwick passed that like, I bet this movie was hard to film. 
You know, like we're sitting here as viewers saying, wow, it's a hard movie to watch. Imagine filming this thing. Like you're probably saying things like we weren't best friends with Chadwick. Like there are probably things that the actors and actresses like inside jokes that maybe they came up and they were just probably just like, wow, I wish he was here. And it is always very sad. And it's when we take a step back and from the superhero community, yes, it was a perfect casting for Black Panther, but we basically have to look at it as just like at the end of the day, like it's not that we're missing out on having a good Black Panther actor. It's just that it's very sad that Chadwick passed, that Chadwick had to pass because he had such a promising acting career. And it's one of those things where he was just, he was such a good person. It was one of those things where it's just like, you hate that it, that it happened that way. And it really sucks. Um, but I feel like the director did a good job of bouncing back. And we got a Black Panther in this film that we were supposed to get. We got a Black Panther that was good, that was you know, something of how it should have been. It was a perfect carry-on from, you know, the old Black Panther. And that's kind of about all I have for non-spoiler reviews. I don't, I'm not the best when it comes to non-spoiler reviews because I don't really know what to talk about because I feel like I'm one of those people that pays attention to every little thing that happens in the movie. So I'm afraid that if I tell someone that also notices every little thing in the movie that I will spoil some part of it for them. But I will say that it was a really good movie overall. And if you haven't seen it, I would implore you to put it on the top of your priority list because you need to see it ASAP. It is that good. Like, it is absolutely phenomenal, I will say. But that's about all I have for the non-spoiler review portion, so I will implore you, if you don't care about spoilers or if you've already seen the movie, stick around, watch the rest of this you know, episode. I will be getting into deep delving into everything that the movie has to offer and really talking specifically about the characters, their performances, more in-depth story progression. But if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to get any spoilers, feel free to click away to this episode and come back at a later point in time once you've seen the Black Panther movie and let me know if you agree on any of my thoughts that I'm about to kind of dish out. Oh my God, Namor and Shuri probably had the best fight scene that I've ever seen in the entire MCU. Let me just get that right off the bat. That end scene, that fight scene was so brutal and so vicious. Ah, I loved it. I loved it so much. Getting Shuri as the Black Panther and just seeing her kind of get the ancestral heart-shaped herb and taking it and getting those powers of the Black Panther and not seeing any of her ancestors was just mind-blowing. It was awesome because we forget that Sherry doesn't, Sherry doesn't believe in tradition. She doesn't believe in all of the ancestral plane business. She doesn't like, you know, doing the traditional rituals. She doesn't like doing any of that. She just, she just really doesn't like any of that at all. And so when she takes the heart-shaped herb and she sees Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger and she talks about, I'm taking this herb for vengeance. I want to avenge my mother's death. I want to kill Namor. I want to whoop his ass. Yes, that is why she sees Michael B. Jordan, because she's going there out of vengeance, out of revenge. She's going with hate in her heart and mean intention. And then she just absolutely has an amazing fight scene with Namor. They go back and forth. You know, she gets him to that desert planet, and she almost kills him. And then we see Ramonda come and say, show him who you are. And it was one of those moments where you're just like, oh, shit. She's going to remember that her and... T'Challa are very similar. They're brother and sister. 
She needs to be a better Black Panther than this. And she gives him mercy and what have you. But I just had to get that off my chest because I really thought that was an amazing end credit scene. So let's just, or a fight scene, sorry. So let's just reel back there real quick. That beginning in the introduction Marvel credits by just doing an absolute tribute to Chadwick, you could hear a pin drop in my movie theater. Everyone was absolutely silent, and I love that. I am so glad that I got a good theater that appreciated it all. It felt like I got hit by a bus when I was watching that. Like, it literally, my chest was, like, so heavy. It felt like it weighed a ton. Just watching them kind of do the Marvel Studios intro, have it pan up, and then just seeing Chadwick's picture just flash along all of those slides was amazing. They did such an absolutely beautiful job tributing to T'Challa, but then picking up right where the story kind of left off. So, we have Namor as a great, great anti-hero played by Tanakh Huerta. And he, I, I listen, I want to talk to Kevin Feige because I want to know where does he find these people? Where, where does he find these people? Where does he find every time he casts someone, it is just the perfect, perfect casting. He does a great job. He is everything that Namor should be. Namor is for his people. It's a little weird that they were, they changed it up instead of it being Atlantis. It is now Talokan. And <clears throat> his people are, you know, from Talokan. And it's not really, has, and it doesn't have anything to do with Atlantis. In the comic books, for those of you that might be a little bit confused, it is, Namor is from Atlantis. He is the god of Atlantis. Um, his name, Namor or Namora, means child without love. His whole vibe is that he has no love for the surface world. And we, we get this explained to us in the movie, but it's also in the comics, to whereas he wants to wage war on the surface world. He believes the surface world is terrible, and he is supposed to protect and lead his people in war to kind of just take over the surface world. And Wakanda always gets in the way, because Wakanda is different. Wakanda is not necessarily loves what the surface world does in terms of its wars and its battles, but their main focus is just kind of being amongst themselves. So when someone is a threat to the surface world that Wakanda necessarily protects, especially after Black Panther 1, when he says that Wakanda needs to open itself up to the world, that's kind of their way of saying, well, we'll protect the world from, you know, outside threats that really, you know, pose something in there. But Namor kind of is, it was just, he's a badass in every sense of the way. We get these, these moments where He's able to just sneak into Wakanda. And even the queen is just like, how did you get in here? Like, she's so confused at the fact that he was able to sneak by all of their defenses. And Namor just, the entire movie is just, he just did so amazing. Because he, he honestly, while I was watching it, he made me feel for him. When he was going over his, you know, birth story and how his people got ran out by the uh, Spanish conquistadors and... Like, just his whole backstory when he kind of just takes a second and is telling Shuri while they're in Talakan to, like, understand where he's coming from. I was, like, listening to it, and I was just like, no, I kind of feel with him. <laughs> you know, at this point, I, I kind of want him to, you know what? Go take on the surface world. Show them what you're made of, Namor. Show them your little winged feet. Um, but it was just, it made you feel for him. And it was really, it was really interesting to see um, kind of everything that he was about. 
and just oh, I just can't get over how amazing all the actors and actresses did. Uh, you know, Angela Bassett with Queen Ramonda coming in to, you know, kind of just take over and be Queen of Wakanda. And then you have Okoye and Shuri going to get Riwi Williams, the new proclaimed Ironheart, even though they never really call her Ironheart in the film. In the end credits, they do list her as Ironheart. And those of you that know Riwi Williams is Ironheart. We get it shown there. She built her own suit. Looks very similar to Iron Man's. And then towards the end battle, um, when they're on that ship going out of Wakanda, trying to find... Trying to find Talakan and wage war with Namor's people, um, we see Ironheart's new suit. And I really do I really do enjoy it. it gives, it's like a vibrant kind of Iron Man suit, which is really interesting. Um, and I just... It was interesting to see all of the different characters that were seemed minor in the film, but they're actually really large in part. We see Atuma, which is the guy that always takes on Okoye, and where they're on the bridge after they try to escape from the FBI where Okoye fights him, and he kind of dominates her in the fight, honestly. It kind of shows the superior strength and, you know, power of Namor and his people and his, his warriors that are willing to fight for him. And I, what I want to touch on with Atuma is towards the end of the film, you know, after this epic, amazing fight scene where, you know, Shuri basically almost kills Namor, but then Queen Ramonda is like, show him who you are, and she saves him, and then they fly back to where it looks like Wakanda is about to get beat, and Namor just says, you know, my people, it is time for us to go, this war is done. He has two kind of like serving generals almost in his army. He has Atuma and he also has Namora. And Namora questions him and says, you know, my king, why is it that we showed mercy to the Wakandans? And he says, listen, and I really liked this, this ending scene because it really puts into perspective how powerful Shuri's Black Panther can be and probably will be. Because we see her get the suit and the powers out of vengeance. And we see what that does to her when she fights Namor. Black Panther is supposed to be insanely powerful in the MCU, mind you. And he looks at Namora and he tells her, the Black Panther is the most powerful being in the most powerful city on the earth. And she chose to spare my life when she had every right to finish the job and kill me. Because, I mean, he puts a spear through her abdomen, like, come on. And, but she didn't. You know why she didn't? Because she has no allies. So he tells her that whenever Wakanda has to have war on the surface world, because the war is coming, they will turn to Namor and his people, and that will be their chance to take war on the surface world and help Wakanda fight back the surface world. And that's very interesting, because you know what happens? When Wakanda has to take war on the surface world, well, um, there's this girl. Um, her name is Valerie DeFontay. You might know her from uh, Captain America, the TV show, as well as the Black Widow movie. And I think she's also involved in Hawkeye. I can't remember directly. Um, I really hate her. <laughs> she is like the anti-Nick Fury. And poor Ever Ross, she tries to arrest him, which is really random that they were married, but it's also really funny at the same time. Um, again, directors and Kevin Feige doing a great job. I really hate this Valerie chick. She is a complete backstabber. She bugged Everett Ross's phone and his kimono beads and just spied on all of his calls. I can see why he divorced her. But anyways, they're really 
pushing this edge to where it was like, it's really, she's really the anti-Nick Fury, and I like how they're weaving her into all of the, these different movies and shows, but they're not really making her the main character at all. We see her bits and pieces of this movie, and basically what they're trying to set her up for is she's going to set up the Thunderbolts, and the Thunderbolts are supposed to wage war on Wakanda. They want to go after Vibranium. And what's interesting is there was a report that came out the other day that said the Thunderbolts are going to be losers compared to the Avengers. So they're going to be like a mockery of the Avengers. They're going to use, you know, dirty tactics. I believe right now the members we have are the Winter Soldier, surprisingly enough, because he was in a poster, which I don't really love because he just had his arc where he came back and now he's going to fall back to being a bad guy. Yelena. And we have the Red Guardian. And now we have Red Hulk. I believe Baron Zemo might be a part of it or he might be saved for another project. But if you notice, those are a lot of people where you're like, wait a minute, I thought these guys were like good guys or like anti-heroes or like didn't hate anyone. Well, that's until Valerie showed up and she is now manipulating Yelena, Red Guardian, Bucky, the U.S. agent into thinking that, well, we need the Avengers, but we also need someone that's not afraid to be a little bit darker. And it's just, oh, it was wild. It was so good. But nonetheless, throughout the movie, Akoya also stepped up. It was very emotional that with a scene where she gets stripped of her general title. And Queen Ramonda is just kind of like, look, I lost absolutely everything. And I trusted you with Shuri. And now she's in Talo Khan with someone that we don't know if he's going to keep her alive or not. So, yeah, you're not general anymore. And uh, get out of my sight. And that scene was just super emotional and really put everything over the top. And it really just, the emotion was so high throughout this entire movie, but it didn't feel oversaturated, which is why I think it was such a good movie and it turned out so well. And we could see little um, spots of M'Baku, who to this day, Winston Duke, I still like feel he needs so much more of a larger role in these Black Panther movies. Whenever he starts doing his chants for his Jabari tribe, I'm like sitting in the theater and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, like I'm ready to go out there and fight for Wakanda. Like it's just absolutely amazing. Like when they're about to attack um, Namor's people and he's just like starting his like war chant and he's like banging on his chest and like hyping people up. I'm like, it's wild. I'm like in the theater. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. It's time to fight. It's just, it's wild. I really love M'Baku. Now I think in the comics he eventually gains powers of some sort. I know he doesn't become the Black Panther, but he becomes... I think eventually Wakanda kind of develops into where they have multiple leaders to whereas they all offer different strengths. Now, what I mean by multiple leaders is the end credit scene that was for this movie. If that end credit scene does not make you cry and weep like a little child, I don't know what will. I seriously don't know what will. So, to end the movie, we get Shuri. She goes back to visit Nakia, who was reintroduced to this film. We know it's T'Challa's lover. She basically retreats to Haiti and kind of raises her own life there and is teaching kids and what have you. She, and Shuri goes back and she's talking to her and she's like, I have, I have something to show you real quick. I'll be right back to help you out with the ceremony. And Shuri's like, no, I, I, need, to, I need to do this myself. 
and she goes over to the fire. As we know from earlier with uh, Queen Ramonda, she says the only way to stop the mourning period is to burn the ceremonial garbs of the burial. And Ramona does it, but Shuri does not because they're interrupted by Namor, and, you know, the story progresses that way. But she's sitting there and... Oh, my God. I'm like, if I think about it too much or think about it too deeply, I might start getting choked up again. It was just those everyone that saw it, you you know, this is it. So we get she starts burning the robes and she's looking out into the sunset and it's just a close up of her face and she starts to cry. But there's no music. Everything is just quiet. The theater that I was in, absolutely silent. You couldn't hear a damn thing. And you transition into where they just start showing flashbacks of Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, just highlights from the different movies. And Shuri is just crying. And it is so emotional because it's almost like Shuri is telling us to join with her to, you know, end our mourning period for those that are still saddened by Chadwick's passing. And it was one of those things where it's like, you can get that attached to a Marvel character. I'm sure it's it's so sad because, you know, not only his family and his close friends, but it's like all of the people that watched him as Black Panther, you know, Black Panther, the first movie was a generational movie. It was absolutely amazing. It was one of the, it was it was either one of the or it was the first Marvel movie where the entire cast, we just had complete African-American representation. It was finally a Marvel movie where, you know, the African-American community felt as though they were fully represented in a Marvel movie. And it was just, we all remember when Black Panther came out. Everyone loved it. It was such a good societal movie. It really, it was just, it was amazing. And who was at the center of it all but Chadwick Boseman himself. And so you, you get those flashbacks and you're just like, it moved on from a generational movie to then you got to Avengers Civil War and then Infinity War and Endgame. And you had a Marvel community that was just in love with him as the Black Panther. And it was a perfect casting and just perfect all around. And so we get this and then Rihanna kicks in with her end credits song. And it's the background while they roll the credits is just a white cloth moving in the wind and it is as it is being set on fire we see the credits and rihanna who hasn't made music in literally six years comes back and delivers this absolutely beautiful and just all-around peaceful and breathtaking song to tribute chadwick and to tribute the movie and it's just oh it's it's so beautiful it's 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 what makes me all of these things chopped up together from the movie, like from the story progression, from introducing, you know, Namor and Ironheart and using all of these different intricate pieces shows and proves my point to why Marvel movies need to be at least two and a half hours. This movie didn't feel rushed at all, but I'll, I'll get into that in a second. I digress from the, the end credits scene where the credits are playing and then you get this break and you get, you know, positioned back to Shuri and... There's a kid with Nakia, and you're kind of sitting there like, what's going on here? And she said that her and T'Challa had a son. And you're just sitting there, and you're like, oh, has my heart not had enough? It's T'Challa's son. It's his little boy. And she said, you know, it was best that we thought the pressure of the the throne, he was too young. So we had our own little burial here. We honored T'Challa here. And, you know, 
this is his son. And she's like, and Shuri's first question is, did my mom know about this? And she said, yes, she did. And that kind of puts Shuri at ease, like, okay, my mom got to, to die knowing her son's son. And then you're asked what the kid's name is. And he tells her his name, but he said, I heard you're really good at keeping secrets. And she kind of laughs because it's just that joy of talking to a little kid that kind of brings it out of us. And might I add, this little kid, absolutely adorable. (laughs) Like, he is so adorable, just the way that he talks and presents himself. But we get... Shireen, she's like, yeah, I can keep a pretty good secret. And she's like, and he's like, well, that was my Haitian name. And then she looks at Nakia and then she says in the Wakandan language, so who are you? And he goes and says, my name is T'Challa, son of Prince T'Challa. And my heart literally shattered into a million pieces. Like when I went Thursday with my friends from school, uh, they cried. I cried. I was sobbing like a little baby. And when I went with my friends this past Sunday from work, they were all crying. And I was very close to crying because it is absolutely beautiful and so moving. It was it was wild. And then obviously that adds to speculation like, are they going to do a time jump and have, you know, are they going to, you know, still work in the comics like okay we have T'Challa it was his son so why can't he just grow up and be Prince T'Challa the heir to the throne give him the throne um, I wonder if they're going to try and make that a storyline maybe Shuri and T'Challa kind of go at it once they kind of age him up um, or if they're going to make T'Challa do something else if they're going to turn Shuri into something else I originally thought that the white tiger or the white wolf was Shuri that is false they might spin it to where they might make Shuri the white wolf which was also Bucky's name when he was staying in Wakanda. But nonetheless, she's not the White Tiger. That's someone completely different. So I don't really know what they're going to do with T'Challa and Shuri or if it was just completely unrelated and they really wanted to just punch us in the heart one last time and say, like, oh, he does have a son. We'll maybe revisit it, like, in five to ten years, just not right now. And then the last end credit scene, it just says, you know, the Black Panther will return, which will probably be in the next Avengers series or the movies that set up to the Avengers. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see Shuri. I want more of Shuri as the Black Panther. I really, really love what they did there. I just, I love everything about them making Shuri and them, you know, doing what they did with this movie. It was really beautiful from the beginning to the end of the movie, and I feel like that's what makes it so rewatchable at times. And it's just from, you know, getting the castings right to just doing the stories. Like, this is really why, like I was mentioning before I switched back to this, that Marvel movies should be roughly two and a half hours. And the reason I say that is because we saw with Multiverse of Madness and especially Thor Love and Thunder that it was good, but it was too short. It felt rushed. The story wasn't there. Some people really hate the idea of two hours and 30 minute movies. They feel like they're long, but that's what makes Marvel in a league of its own. That's what makes Marvel special is that they have these instances where, yes, their movies are going to be long, but when you're done watching it, you are going to love the fact that you stayed and watched the whole thing. Because not at, not at a single point in the entire movie was I sitting there like, wow, this is rushed. This is garbage. This is terrible. They didn't know what they were doing. Who, who, who hired this director? Marvel's going down the shitter. It wasn't because they had enough time to really push the drama of T'Challa dying, 
but also find their new Black Panther, show them why they need the Black Panther, show who was going to fill in in the interim while the Black Panther wasn't there. And on top of that, bring in Namor, bring in Riri Williams, make us get attached to Namor, make us kind of understand where he's coming from, and see why he has to do what he does, and then also get us attached to Sherry becoming the new Black Panther, and then tie it all at the end with an amazing fight scene and beautiful end credit scene, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why we trust in Kevin Feige. And why the ending of Phase 4 is what we should expect for Phase 5, because the next movie we get is Ant-Man and the Quantumania, and Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror will absolutely be amazing. I feel like he has the potential to be better than Thanos. I don't know if build-up-wise if he's the best, but we don't have any idea what's in store for us. We can theorize, and I certainly will with the next episode that I do when I come back from break, but... It just blows my mind. We get a little bit of a break, which I kind of enjoy. From Marvel, we get about a two, two and a half month break. And then we get Ant-Man and the Quantumania. And we're picking it back up with Phase 5. And that I cannot wait for. I literally cannot wait for. Because that movie is going to just be so amazing, so off the chain. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. And I simply can't wait. I feel like this Black Panther 2 really set the... That's the stage for Phase 5, for what we can expect. Marvel is coming back to what we know and love. And I honestly cannot wait to see where it takes us. That is going to be about all that I have for today. A little bit of a longer episode this time. We're pushing probably close to 42 minutes or maybe around 40 minutes depending on after editing. But I wanted to give you a longer episode because it is a movie review. So I feel like there's a lot more to talk about and there's a lot more to kind of dive into and discuss. I really hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I do really honestly push for you to follow my Instagram, the.marvelgalaxy, or if you're listening to this on Samsung, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, doesn't matter. I am on as many platforms as I try to be. Feel free to give this podcast a follow so you can get all the updates for when I post new episodes, but the.marvelgalaxy on Instagram is the best way to either reach me or to follow for updates so that you're never wondering when my next episode is going to come out. I truly do thank every single one of you that are listening to my podcasts or have listened to my podcasts or continue to listen to my podcasts and I do implore you if you know anyone that either loves Marvel loves Star Wars or is just maybe looking for a new podcast to listen to please send them my way let them know about the Instagram or wherever you listen to your podcasts or wherever they prefer to listen to their podcasts the more the merrier I welcome anyone that would love to listen to me talk for 30 minutes about a bunch of nerdy stuff so With that being said, that wraps it up for today's video. I hope all of you guys have an absolutely amazing day, and we will see you next time.